Welcome to the Buck Hook Podcast. From the shallow waters of the Lower Laguna Madre to the deep blue waters of the Gulf of Mexico and the thick mesquite brush of South Texas, follow along as the Buck Hook crew take you on their outdoor adventure. And now, here's your host, Jason Saldivar. What's going on, Buck Hook Nation? Glad y'all are tuning in to episode three of our Salty Season 23 series. On the last episode, we did mention we were getting away from the rods and reels, but boy, was I wrong. We uh, we got into it this last week. We also mentioned that uh, we, or not mentioned, but we all took a guess on Mika's weight. We're pretty close, you know. We were uh, wondering if she was over the 100 pounds, but Scuba will bring that news a little later. But before we do get started, we do have Joel from Prodigy Fishing here. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Glad to be here. Glad you made it out to the island. Join the boys behind the mics. Boys, you all want to say what's up? What's up, guys? This is Scuba. Uh, excited to tune in, in another exciting episode, guys. I'm a little jealous because I didn't get to go out on the future stories that we're going to tell you guys, but uh, we'll get into it right now. What's going on? Captain Caveman here. Just glad to be here uh, with the boys and Joel part of the boys as well what's going on guys this is willie glad to be here guys glad you're here brother last week we spoke a little bit on the mullet run and the bull red run we anticipated it to be this week this coming week this uh this following week but we got into it pretty early I think. way early but yeah so we got a text from a bar- our buddy naughty that some reds were caught or he actually went out didn't he yeah yeah he went out that tuesday and sent us a picture on the group early morning because yeah. Jason messaged me, what, midday? Midday. Yeah, midday. Yeah. He went in the morning and he sent a picture to the group and you asked, Jay, was was that today? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, he told us yes and he said that there was only a few other people out there. So I sent a text out to the Buck Cook Lower Laguna Madre chat and I asked, I was like, who's down to go take a drive to East Cut? I believe Tuesday it was only Matt. And Devin. Devin and myself. Yeah. It was three of us, right? And so that Tuesday, we headed out about 5.30. We drove the 24, 25 miles it is to get to East Cut. The sand has been crazy. Do you agree, Joel? I definitely agree. The tides are definitely coming up very high as well due to the weather changing, fall season, stuff like that. So This week, you were out there Wednesday and Thursday? Yeah. Yep. This past week. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I was out there. Uh, had trips, two trips throughout the week. So it was pretty busy. Uh, fishing's good. Surf's thriving right now with mullet, just as it is on the jetties. Did notice, though, the reds are very picky compared to at the jetties. I think they're a lot more active at the jetties versus on the surf. We were throwing live mullet, cut mullet. They were just being very picky. As far as what they were eating, and, and to be very honest, they weren't really even hitting the mullet. They were hitting more shrimp, uh, squid, fish bite. You'd think that they're with all the mullet and the surf, the reds would be, you know, that's what they'd want, but they were actually being very, very picky. Yeah, and I noticed that Tuesday that we got out there, Matt, Devin, and myself were behind the truck setting up our, our lines, and there was a one other angler that was out there. He comes running down the rocks, and he yells at us, and he's like, boys, get out here. Boys, hurry up. And so we you know, kind of think it's kind of you know a little weird because he didn't have any fish or anything on him, but he gets to the truck, and he tells us, boys, y'all are in for a treat. So... We start asking questions. He busts out his phone and he starts showing us these these massive schools of hundreds 
And I'm talking about hundreds of redfish just schooled up, swimming in place, and just kind of at the tip of the jetties, hovering from you know left to right side, the channel side to, to surf side, but on at the very tip. So basically, as the guy is telling us these stories, Devin takes off running. He runs out to the tip of the jetties, and by that time, the guy had told him where to cast. So Devin throws out and first casts. I believe he was using down south lure, the big pop of pearl. You know, it's it's always on on the rod. So he threw that and instant hook. I mean, instant bite, hooked on, brought and in his fish. Was it a, a visible school? I could. I mean, by the time we got there, I couldn't really see it, but I'm a little colorblind with red and browns. So these guys could see us. I mean, Devin would tell me throw right here or throw over here, throw right here, throw over here. He was seeing it. Yeah, he was seeing. The, and, and what they were, what they kept saying is it was a blob of like brownish water versus the rest of the water around it. You know, like a brown shadow. It, it's is what they were looking at. We get out there, we start throwing lures. I was throwing a K Wiggler, the Sand Shad, because it was a bigger, heavier lure, and so it was sinking a little bit faster. But as soon as that would touch water, you know, those redfish would hit it. And we ended up getting, I believe it was five reds that day. It was pretty busy, man. And so it was weird because at first, when we got out there, those fish were hitting the lures. At one point, within the first two minutes that we were out there, Devin, Matt, and myself were all hooked on. We were looking at each other like, dude, what the hell? This is awesome. But that first night, you also cut it a little earlier than your other nights, correct? Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. so we were expecting to, to get bait, and the bait actually hasn't been at the rocks. They've been The mullet that everybody's seen or the mullet that Joel's been seeing has been out on the surf only and not close to the rocks, and I think because of the amount of redfish that are up on the rocks and the amount of other fish that are there because... These redfish are, are coming out scarred up with blood. I don't know if it's... You, we see dolphins out there, and some of our sand trout and your whiting have been coming out with bitten off halfway through the body. But they're out there, and, and it's just kind of hard for me to see them. But these guys were definitely finding them and, and kept casting at them. After all that fishing, we went back home and put it on the chat. The fish were out at the East Cut. So Wednesday, I believe we had a different crew. Yes. So who did who went out Wednesday? Wednesday it was uh, myself, Willie, Devin, yeah, Devin, Devin and Andrew yeah. and Michelle. Yeah, myself. So it was five of us, and we all headed out towards East Cut again to do that twenty-five mile. I mean, twenty-five mile, twenty-five. Uh, oh yeah, twenty-five, yeah, 25 mile, mile, drive. mile drive. Again, the sand has been crazy. So yeah, we took off. <laughs> we took off with Andrew, and we did those twenty-five miles. Once we got there, right away we started fishing. We took. On, on Wednesday, we, we stopped with Joel. He was out there. Oh, yeah. You were out there, right? We yeah. spoke to you for a little bit? Yep. What mile were you at? I wasn't too far down. I believe I was about six miles or so. I wasn't too far down. Yeah. Now that it's, you know, the kids are back in school and you've been having to go take your trip and come back mm -hmm. those nights, right? You're not able to stay overnight yeah, as much? Yeah, definitely not doing a lot more camping unless I have a camping trip schedule. But for the most part, just doing quick trips. You know, it's been pretty easily as far as the fishing lately for sharks and everything on the surf in general with all the bait and stuff. It's also that time of year where you, as far as dropping baits, you don't want to be dropping as far with everything so close and all the action right off the beach. It's really pointless to be dropping baits far. You know, everything's right off the beach. So it also, it's a good fact. It's a good thing in the factor of your tackle and stuff. So nice. So back to the Wednesday, Willie, myself, Andrew, Devin, Devin and Devin. Yeah. Right away, we started loading up on fish. Yeah, man, bro. You Y'all must have. So when I got the text that y'all were going out, I mean, <laughs> felt like that picture was up like instantly because it was in like much time after y'all were out there. 
So, no, and exactly. I mean, when we got there, you were throwing out some lures first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I started throwing um, Jazuri, I think, right? Jazuri, yeah, the hard plastic the with, hard the, plastic. with the bill. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was throwing that for like maybe 30 minutes. Then I moved to a spoon, like a three-ounce, four-ounce spoon, gold. And I had like two hits on that one. Yeah. And uh, I had like two, and then the third one. Like, uh, like blowouts? Yeah, like a run. Yeah, I had yeah, like yeah, like, sure. like two or three two, runs, bro, yeah, like solid run, and runs. And there was tarpon rolling, oh, rolling around. around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, the sun, like how much light y'all had like while you got there? It was, was a full moon, bro. So but you were able to have some light before the actual sundown? No. no. So you no. got there right after? Yeah. yeah oh, okay, okay, okay. Sun went down. It was completely dark, and that's when we started fishing. But I saw that you hooked on to what? Two tarpon? I did I, one for sure. And the, the other, one the other ones I, I couldn't see because, the like I said, with a the spoon, they, I just got that run, like super hard, super hard run, and, and they came off. And then the third one, it broke, it broke me off on the, on the third run. And so by that time, Devin had his limit. Yeah, dude. So I was messing around with the lures, you know, and I even throw some JRCs, you know, try to see if I can get a fish with, with, with a lure. And now after like an hour, probably hour and something, you know, messing around with the lures. And I was like, man, let me just get, let me just get my, my bait set up. And so I can feel at least these runs, you know, from, from this big uh, redfish. And from there it was game on, bro. Yeah, it took you like an hour and a half before you caught your first redfish from the time we got yeah, there. Yeah, do you know? I, I think like two hours, bro, to be honest. Like it took me like about two hours because I, like I said, I was messing around with the lures. Then I switched to bait. I think by that time, the redfish went away and you guys already had about six, right? That's, that's the first load you went to drop yeah, off? Yeah, went to go drop them off at the truck so we didn't have to carry them all back together. And we had six and they were solid slot fish. They were anywhere from 25 to 27 and a half inch slot reds. We hadn't caught any bull reds, oversized ones. No. At, Actually, at that, that trip, it was only one. It was only 20, 29 inches. Yeah. The only, the only o- oversized. oversized redfish that we had. But yeah, yeah. So you guys caught about six, you know, and then after that, Andrew started working the, the Yetis, you know, from... You know, maybe like midway yeah, so, of the Yetis. So what he was doing is before any of us caught anything, he goes, y'all want to see something? So he goes out to the tip of the jetties, and we're talking about East Cut. And if you're at the tip and you're looking straight out, he was throwing at about a 45 degree angle to the left, kind of in between the channel, kind of in between the, the open water. And so he was just letting that bait drift into this hole that was there. And so sure enough, on the first cat, boom, he hooked on and... That's what started everything. I yep. mean, he was like, boys, they're over here. We all rushed over there. And the crazy thing about it is we only went with a little bit of bait. We went, I think, with a, one bag of mullet and one bag of ballyhoo, thinking that we were going to catch a bunch of mullet out on, on the jetties. But yeah. like I said, there was so much action around the rocks that the mullet aren't at the rocks. What did you say he uh, had on or what he was using? He started off with ballyhoo, I believe. Cut it up in about an inch cube. Hooked it on with a Carolina rig and then just launched Straight the, down. Yeah, yeah, launched it out there. And then just basically felt that line, you know, as it was moving at the bottom. Once he would, he would get those nibbles, he would just snatch that. It was thing. almost like free lining, bro, because he only had a the split, cr- split yeah, shot. Yeah, he was on only it. using split shot and it was, the current was pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, the current was pretty strong. And like Jason was saying, like he was throwing on the tip of the Yetis and mid to the channel side. And he was letting the, the bait drift, you know, into the channel. He was getting them right there in that spot, man. And uh, after that, I think Devin 
Devin, I well, think no, Devin. dude. Before that, I think before we caught any redfish, Devin had hooked onto a whiting, right? Oh, oh yeah. So Devin <laughs> yeah. hooks onto a whiting, and as soon as he hooks on, he starts fighting it, and then it kind of gives him some uh, some fight. And I mean, tell us what happened, Devin. Yeah, I mean, like the thing just took off on me, and I uh, had a hard time reeling it in, and then all of a sudden, it just goes like dead on me, and I was like, it got he, off, and I was I was kind of disappointed because it was one of the best fish that I had I had caught all night. And uh, I, I started reeling it back in, and then I realized, like, there's actually something still on there, but it's just, it's not fighting me, and I'm not, I'm not realizing why. And I get <laughs> it up to, like, the rocks, and I realize it's uh, got, like, a whole half of it's been taken off. It's just, like, the head remaining, and it uh, looked like a shark got me for a little bit. For sure, shark took it. Yeah, it was a, that was a shark bait, bro. That was a solid whitey, bro. That was I my favorite surfish, baby. Dude, no, dude, it, right? It, that's dude. that's an excellent white meat, it, bro. It Great. Had, yeah, we yeah. would catch a hundred and something of those. Remember in the summers where we would yes, stay, live dude. out at the island, we would catch about a hundred and something of those. I would go alone as a kid, bro, and straight up in the surf with cat. After cat showed us how to do it, shout out to cat. Literally six thirty in the morning, over the little, little just the first um, sandbar. sandbar. Yeah, and boop, get your <laughs> bring back a whole. Uh, it's just full, just full of big time, bro. It was awesome. Yeah, but back to Devin's whiting. You know, we start catching red, so that's when he, you know, decides to bring in that line. And then what happens, Devin? I got the shark again, man. He came back for seconds, and we were off to the races. Took me uh, all around the jetties, but we were finally able to get him up on the rocks and get him in. It was a so nice I, little bonnet head. Yeah, so it ended up being a pretty nice bonnet head. I mean, we have the picture on Instagram if you want to check it out, but. I, I didn't get to introduce you, bro. You walked in here a little bit late. So everybody, uh, you know, this is a good friend of ours. He has moved to Texas about a year and a half ago. His name is, uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, my name is Devin. Uh, I moved down here about yeah a year and a half ago from Seattle, Washington. And I was blessed enough to meet these boys the second day that I was here. And we've done nothing but hunting fish pretty much every day since I've been here. It's been quite the adventure. A lot of firsts for you, huh? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I think the first week that Devin was here, we put him on a bunch of fish, saltwater fish. He, he's used to fishing. I mean, he's an outdoorsman. He's a mountain man, but not with saltwater. You know, it was a little bit different for him, at least bay fishing the flats. So we put him on that. We put him on some hogs. It's uh, now it's time to put you on a deer or a neil guy. Yeah, I'm excited for this hunting season coming up. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of firsts for me. That's for sure. Devin the man. Well, glad you're here, brother. But back to our fishing so that concluded Wednesday. We caught our, what did we catch? 16 fish, a five-man limit, plus the one oversized red. And the shark. And the shark, so, yeah. and a bunch of whiting. Thursday, we went out again. I got a text from Neto that morning that said, hey, bud, I want to get on the fish like you just did last night. And so met up with Julio and did that 25-mile drive again. As soon as we got there, we, we started you know, catching fish and getting a bunch of slot reds and a bunch of bull reds. The bull reds had shown up. They were there. So we started hooking on. Devin hooked on, I believe, to like over 10 fish. Yeah, I think I was able to land about five of them. It was definitely fun. You have to remember, though, like there's like no light out there. So everyone, when somebody gets like fish on, everyone has like a job. Everyone reels it in and, and you know, kind of gets to their places. There were certain times that I was hooked on, you were hooked on, and Neto was hooked all at the same time. And so some lines would pop because we're using light tackle. Or we just couldn't get to the fish. I mean, it was the surf was r- and was the, rough. Yeah, the, the surf looked a lot choppier. Choppier, yeah. On, on Thursday, from the videos that you sent, it was a lot choppier. We actually had a, a little accident out there, man. It's pretty 
pretty damn scary. Yeah, man. Neto ended up going in the water pretty... Uh, wow. Yeah. So I was hooked on to a bull red. That was one of the oversized reds um, that we caught. And as I'm reeling in, so he comes over with a net and he's hopping on the rocks. And right away, I'm thinking like, dude, this guy's going to slip. This guy's going to slip. So he makes it down to the bottom, right? And he's he's kind of wet. It's it's kind of slippery, slippery. He's already on where the rocks have algae and some barnacles. But as soon as he got to the rocks, again, you had seen in the pictures and the videos how the surf was, was a little intense that day, that night, the last night. And so he just uh, wave came and washed him into the water, dude. And Even so naughty on Wednesday, he... He kind of yeah he he, he kind of slipped a little he bit. Slipped. Yeah, he went down and to to get the shark, no? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to get the shark and he ended up cutting his finger, I think. Well, Neto, dude, I mean, Neto went into the water and it was an instant scary moment because the surf was so rough that it was pushing him against the rocks, but he wasn't able to keep his head above the water. And so you think like what the hell how does that happen, but it was happening. And so Devin sees that, I see that and I I basically throw the rod off to the side and i'm like i'm coming neto and as i say that i look over to my left trying to get some light to get down there because again it's dark it's super dark out there besides moonlight and so i look over to my left and julio's running down the rocks he dives onto the rocks on his knees dude i mean describe what you saw Devin. i'm just holding the light trying to keep uh, the light on neto so everyone can get to him and julio is just in his sandals hopping over these rocks and just no like, he had he had he did have tennis shoes oh yeah that's right he did yeah it was neto that had yeah he yeah, was yeah. waiting boots but but yeah i mean like he just smashed down onto the rocks and you know just reached down and grabbed neto and pulled him up and gave him something to hang on to and they were both able to get back up to us safe for a couple seconds there it was a little scary it happened really fast and i consider myself an experienced swimmer but in those instances i mean you're being pushed up against the rocks there's it's completely dark so you really can't see what you're what you're looking at or what you're trying to hold on to and and again everything that you try to every piece of rock that you try to hold on to out there does have some kind of barnacle or oyster or something that you know will cut you but um, luckily, like I said, Julio did get a little beat up on the way down getting him, but he was not going to let him go. So thanks to Julio, Neto is safe. And that's, again, you do have to be careful when you guys go out to the jetties. Make sure you do have the proper shoes. Neto was wearing his flats wading boot just because he didn't want to get his, his Crocs feet. He didn't want to have his feet bare open and slip. So I think the wading boots were probably a worse choice to be out there because they don't really have much grip out there on those rocks especially on that algae other than that those three days of fishing were super intense man i mean we loaded up on fish normally we don't keep that much fish because we don't catch that much fish (laughs) so that day on thursday oh yeah thursday how many fish did you all get thursday it was devin me julio and Neto. neto And we got 16 fish, which was one oversized each person and our four-man limit. So nice. Yeah, 12 and then four oversized fish. And so filleted those. You actually helped me fillet those. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a pain. But we filleted those and uh, gave a lot of the meat to my mom. And she invited her sisters over and they had a big old fish fry. We also... My, phone must, my phone must have been off. I didn't, I didn't oh, hear yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We did make some of that fish on yeah. on, on, well, that, on that Friday, n- right? That night that we were filleting. I think we, we did like two two or three fish. We uh, we threw some on there, and then there's still like a bunch of fillets, you know, vacuum sealed, ready to 
I know Devin's, some of it's Devin's, some of it's Neto's, uh, some of it's Julio's, so got to give them their meat back. and. We need to go shoot some doves and do a fish fry, fish fry out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's Sunday. that's the place to do it. Mika's ready, buddy. Sunday? Whatever it is, Mika's ready. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. When is, the, when is the tournament? Next Saturday. It's next Saturday. Okay. Yeah. The 14th? The 14th. Yeah, there we go. If you haven't signed up, make sure you signed up because yeah. we got to get on it. Again, earlier I did mention that our buddy Joel from Prodigy Fishing is here. This guy is always on the beach. It's sometimes seven days out of the week that you'll find him on the beach. It is a treat to have him on here. I do want him to tell us a little bit of uh, what he does out there and and um, how you can book him. And then he does have some stories to tell you. This story that he told us that I actually met up with him that day that it happened, after it had happened, but these guys were so high on, on the thrill of what just had happened to them. I'll let, you know, Joel talk a little bit about Prodigy Fishing. Definitely. So my name is obviously Joel, 26 years old. I'm a fishing guide here on South Padre Island, originally from Brownsville, Texas, which is not too far from South Padre. For those of you that are not familiar with the area. But uh, yes, I pretty much own Prodigy Fishing. That's my uh, company, I guess you could say, for my charters. And uh, like I said, I run them out of South Padre Island, and it is all land-based shark fishing from the beach. Um, you could follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Progeny Fishing. And that's pretty much how you'd find us. You could also, uh, once you find our page, you could go into the link, which is where I have a website, and you could find pretty much everything from all the fishing packages, from camping to full-day fishing or just a half-day of fishing. And like I said, it is all off the beach, mainly targeting sharks, uh, redfish, pretty much anything that you could get from the beach, which is what I like to do because you never know what you're going to get being on the beach. And I'm pretty sure for and everybody or yeah, y'all. And let, I mean, let them know what you do catch because a lot of people think well, just it's just going to be trout or redfish, but it, there's a variety. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variety, uh, especially the time of the year that you want to go. Uh, spring, summer, or fall, there's always a lot of fish and different fish, which is the good thing. Even in the winter, we get different sharks here in the winter cruising the beaches. So pretty much springtime brings a lot of big hammerhead sharks, bull sharks, stuff like that. A few tiger sharks here and there. And then once you get into the summer, you still have those big hammers coming around. But the, the tiger sharks pretty much start making their way in and they start pushing out some of those larger hammers. So that's going to be summertime more or less. And obviously black tips are here year round uh, on South Padre. That's crazy. Real quick, uh, you you mentioned they push out the hammer. Yeah, so you that's- get these big tigers that start coming in late summer to early fall and you're talking about 13 14 foot tigers that are cruising south pottery that not a lot of people know about so those big tigers are going to start pushing out a lot of the other sharks as far as hammers you know stuff like that and that's our most aggressive shark that comes through here tigers typically and the bull sharks uh they're pretty much very territorial they hit the bait sometimes the bull sharks actually hit the baits very aggressive similar to the hammerheads uh, especially when they're i guess you could say and then they're territorial. What's the average uh, size on the hammer? Uh, so this past year, uh, this season, we got a we got two of the biggest ones caught along the coastline from the beach. One of the top, at least. Uh, we caught two 14-foot hammerheads. One was 14-1 that I personally caught. And then a couple of days later, I brought some clients that did a camping trip. And they ended up beating that with a 14-foot 2-inch. So they beat me by an inch. By an inch, wow. 
Yeah, but they that, were both off, they were both on the rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that uh, massive dude. within <laughs> that week we landed several hammers and hooked onto several. I got spoiled completely by two of them, and I lost one right at the bar as well. And they were all way over ten foot. I think that week we landed at least five hammers that were between eleven to fourteen foot, and we lost a lot more actually that I never really talked about or spoke of, but. And that so, was on South Padre. Yeah, you're saying that along the the line, you know, what's that range, you know, that you're talking about? Because you, you said you said two of the biggest ones, right? Yeah. The hammer, hammer yes. Charge. So uh, those two were the biggest that we caught this season, the 14 foot one, 14 foot two. But within that week, we landed several more. They were between 11. There was one that was 11, 10. There was one that was 12 foot 10. Uh, and there was a couple of more around the 11 foot range that we got all within that week. And then weeks after a little bit more spread out, but we still got some more. I think in total this year, I think with the trips that I've done between personal and with the clients, I think I landed about seven to eight hammerheads this season, all within seven to 14 foot two, which was the biggest one. And we think the one that was 14 foot two was way bigger. Because when we tried measuring it, we actually, that was a crazy story actually, because we had just let go. I was on a camping trip, like I said, and we had just released an 11 foot 10 hammer that my clients caught. And I ran that same bait back out that night and not even 30 minutes later on the same, uh, sorry, the different rod, but they, they had got tangled. So I ran out, we only had one line out. So obviously I'm on my, I'm on my charter with my clients. So I ran out another rod, you know, better the chances. And within 30 minutes of me dropping that bait, that 14 foot two hammerhead picked up that, that bait, that same. So he was in the area for the most So he was in the area. He was just, he was just cruising towards basically where I was dropping the bait. And that was within 30 minutes of me dropping it. How far out was that bait? That, that bait, um, typically around that time of year, I drop short, short drops, you know, going back to the bait, I dropped, uh, probably about 300 yards off the beach, 350 yards off the beach. So it wasn't too far. It was just right beyond the third sandbar third sandbar yeah mm-hmm. so for those people that don't know there's sharks that are yeah. very close that are very massive definitely and we have a lot of sharks on the beach a lot of sharks people don't know that or wouldn't think that are on south padre but they are you ever fish in the first cut there for any sharks or yeah uh we do typically that's when you're going to pick up a lot of your pup sharks uh but believe it or not in that first cut we've caught seven eight foot bull sharks just within four four or five foot of water typically that's going to be at night but we do have some big bull wow. sharks hey but in. going back to the tiger this you mentioned season what is the season like look like uh we're looking like a couple of months are we looking actually like a specific so dates? for the tiger sharks they typically you'll catch some in the spring that come through with the hammers they're not going to be very very large but you'll get some tigers but if if you want a chance at a big 13 foot plus tiger it's going to be in the fall late summer and uh, they come in and start pushing out the bigger hammerheads and stuff like that. So the hammerheads will start pushing out, but those big tigers start coming in, in in the fall. It's crazy you mentioned that they push out because back in my day when I used to work at the Murphys, those tigers would roam the the channel. I mean, mid summer, and you'd see them around the boats. You know, they're actually trying to take the bait off the boats that they leave hanging off. You know, your whiting and your sand trout off the boat. But you'll see them roaming around because they know that there's actual fish yeah, yeah exactly but it's crazy because i never really knew that there was the movement of the tiger coming in and pushing them out because yeah. i never really experienced a tiger until the pictures you posted but mm-hmm. seeing back in the day when i would see a lot of uh, 
hammers around it's crazy to know now that yeah. they're actually pushing there's a them lot out. of factors to it it's not necessarily just the tigers in general pushing them out but a lot of it as well of the weather the te- the temperature of the water changing and stuff you know so they follow that pattern so the tiger sharks play a small factor in in it you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on but a lot of it has to do with the way the weather changes uh as as well as the water temperature so that's when you're going to see different sharks coming in and stuff so right now we're in getting into october in october on south padre which is known for some of the biggest sharks in texas if y'all didn't know that we get a lot of big sharks between october to november and they're uh, bull sharks and they're these giant pregnant female bull sharks and pretty much every year between october to november i get one close to about nine foot range every year that i've gotten and they're all these giant pregnant female bull sharks and my theory is that the reason we get them a lot in south pottery especially in the fall is obviously they're these giant pregnant female bull sharks so i think they're cruising down the coastline making their way to the river to the rio grande to go leave their pups and i think they go upstream to go leave their pups in the river obviously to give them a better chance so the sharks won't eat them and giving birth out in the ocean i guess you could say that's also why you see or you know you see people Dude, catching crazy. those pup sharks in the in the ship channel as well yeah and oh and you see i mean you see a bunch of bull sharks mm-hmm. in in arroyo too mm-hmm. it's crazy or by the old causeway and stuff like that and South those those yeah typically you're gonna see them because they're going to release their pups so it's a time of the year that they're doing that so that's why i my theory is and i think why we get a lot of them down here on south pottery a lot of those big female bull sharks because they're going to either the river, the chip, or the channels to, to leave their pups. Yeah. So. And so what's your favorite shark to go after? I would say it used to be a hammerhead. That was on my bucket list, but catching on, hooking onto a hammerhead and catching one, always on my bucket list, like I said, but it's just like hooking onto a train that won't stop. It's fun the first time, and you never want to do it again. <laughs> so, But my, I'd say the funnest one is probably going to be pretty much a tiger shark. They're very heavy, similar to a bull shark, you know, fast-paced runs. So you're saying size. the hammerhead strength, I guess, is a little bit more... Yeah, it definitely tops the chart for the hardest fighting fish is going to be a hammerhead, especially anything over 10 foot. Just picture you're hooking onto a car, and it's going, and it, it's not stopping. That's exactly what it's like. You're so you possibly got in outspooled on i've yeah i've gotten spooled well that he said i mean that night that he caught that they caught the 14 foot uh hammerhead that he got spooled Mm -hmm. and what pound test line are you using so i run something that big yeah so i run avid 80 wide what i do is it typically will hold 2,000 yards so i'll run about 1500 yards of uh, 150 pound solid braid and then top it off which is what's going to be in the water what you call your top shot that's going to be 200 pound braid uh yeah i've even used 300 pound braid as well but that's going to be your top shot or what you call your top shot because that's what's sitting out in the water. And obviously you want thicker line Something for the abrasion stronger. of the yeah. sandbars and fish running into the line. So that day the fish completely spooled the, the reel? Yeah, so uh, we had hooked onto the shark and we were actually at a buddy's camp and it always happens like that. So we're at a buddy's camp and by the time we look over the rod's getting, you know, the rod, yeah. we're hooked on. Yeah. So by the time we get to the truck, it's so far out. It's well over a thousand yards out. It already got the current stopping that fish, especially on its initial run. Going to be almost impossible. So it'll just take almost all the line, if not to where you lock down the reel, and it's either going to turn the fish or it's going to pop the line. And ninety percent of the time, it'll pop it. It'll pop. Yeah. And so that's why y'all react so quick onto like it's crazy when I go out there with y'all. We'll be you know have a bonfire going out. We'll be grilling, but as soon as one of those lines go off everybody reacts and runs to whatever rod's going off and 
I guess y'all are trying to stop that initial run, right? Definitely. So especially when you hook on a fish like that, you what's the don't drag really on 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 those reels? Those reels, uh, those eighty wides, like I was talking about. There's different models. The Avi EXW eighty wide. It's gonna run about seventy pounds of drag, sixty to seventy pounds yeah. of drag. But we have, well, I have some Avid TRXs, which is an eighty wide, but it has a quad drag system. So that will. It, they say it has about 110 pounds of drag, but I think it has a little more. Wow. But yeah, definitely, you definitely won't use that much drag, but it's there if you need it to stop that fish. And I've came close to using it. Wow. Yeah. Recently, I had a video. Uh, when was it? Probably about a couple of weeks ago. I was on a charter, did a camping trip, and I had some clients coming the following day in the evening. So when my camping trip was over, I ran a bit. I was by myself. I ran a bait out. And I was—I had just gotten back. I was uh, setting up, getting ready for the for the clients to come that evening, and they were probably about there was an hour, probably about more or less about an hour before they were supposed to arrive. And like I said, I ran that bait out. Right after running that bait, I got back to camp. I literally sat down in my chair. I look up at the rod, and it starts bouncing, and then it just starts getting dumped. And that's when I have a video of the rod just getting pretty much spooled, and I couldn't stop that fish. It was on the initial run. It was running for about probably two minutes straight. Not he, very he fast. He got but that calm. bait maybe, what, three, 300 yards as well? That one, yeah. That, well, that one was probably about 400, 450. It was a little bit farther. Uh, this was later on in the summer. So I ran, which is typically those, like I said, those hammerheads are still around, but you're not going to get them like the way you do in the spring. Have, have you ever thought about um, having another rod as a backup on the top? Hook the the rod that is getting spooled. So I had let it go. I have Bro, done that before. He has a story to tell us. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's go. So uh, one of the times that I was talking about this past season, when we caught the night actually, when I caught that fourteen foot one hammer first one, I had just caught a hammerhead before that. That one was a. Uh, it was almost thirteen foot. It was just shy of thirteen foot. And so we hooked on to that one shark, and instead of it running straight out and dumping the reel, it completely ran down the beach. So what we did sideways. was sideways down oh, the beach. Okay. So uh, what we initially did was we reeled in all the other rods and then put one or two of them on a PVC because I believe we had like three or four out. So we start chasing this fish with the truck while I'm on the rack, <laughs> oh, wow. hooked up to this fish. And as we're about to land it, uh, well, you're a Viking offshore. Yeah, it's so, awesome. Man. You should have gotten the skinny bore or what was that? <laughs> yeah, it Star took surfing. us. It took us a mile down the beach. It wow. took us a mile from where we initially started because, like I said, it, instead of it running out, yeah. And it, initial uh, thought was, all right, get in the truck, let's go. Or I, I knew what was going on because I've been in that situation before. So initially, so you thought of this actual? Yeah, it's gonna happen. From past soon. experience, that's awesome, man. Nice, you were yeah, ready. So we started chasing this fish down the beach. We got probably about. Close to a mile. And who's we? Uh, me, buddies, a uh, bunch of friends of us, uh, you know, that were out there that day, thankfully, to help me. So uh, we we pretty much go down the beach almost a mile. And then as we're about to land the fish, the line snaps. So I initially get my line, tie a long line clip to it, start chasing the fish down. By the time, from that time. Uh, but wait, the, how, how are you able to do that? Like it popped the line and. How do you like? How are you able to find the fish? Or so what? When it did pop the line, we had to run almost a mile back to where we started because that's where yeah, our we jet skis that, were. Yeah. So I sprinted a mile down the beach, nice. went to go get the jet ski. <laughs> there's more to the story, but went to go get the jet ski. Well, my buddy did first. He, there's a story to that. So he went almost a mile, got the jet ski, and on his way down, he falls off the jet ski and loses the key. 
so he's God. floating out there on the jet ski looking for the key in the water so then i realize what's happening so i run a mile down the beach grab the second jet ski nice so then by the time i get back i grab a long line clip and by the time i start looking for the fish it was already about a thousand yards out you know when I, by the time i found the float so i tied yeah, that's onto what i was it. gonna say you you, you use those big floats the fl right the big floats yeah. yeah so i tied onto it and then i came back but it was just so far out it had got the current it was just almost impossible to turn the fish because it was just when you say the, the current like what do you mean by that i mean because i don't know so uh is when a fish gets that far out you have well over a thousand yards of line out so you have a large bow in your line and they're in a lot deeper water already at that point so to get a fish to turn or to try to especially of a fish that's over 800 to a thousand pounds getting a fish like that to turn is very hard so i what i what i did was uh my buddy went out there tied back onto that reel uh onto that float, float again so yeah. now we have 280 wides on that one fish so now we're back at my truck fighting it and then we finally got it to turn brought it in and that's when we landed the hammerhead nice. and let it go but yeah it's there's a lot of stories that go yeah. on that's just one of them i, I had the, to do the same situation several times at night so it's definitely the definitely reason why i'm asking going. like if you ever thought about having another one there you know ready to go mm -hmm. it's because i've seen it when they're doing tuna fishing correct you know so the reel is getting spooled so the the captain of the boats that stream hey back up broad or whatever mm -hmm. you know so here comes this other guy with a clip they clip the the reel drop the rod in the water and yep. start fighting the fish with with a backup rod mm -hmm. so i mean that's pretty cool man i mean but mm -hmm. you're talking about like four or five hundred pound tunas bro like huge uh, which is they're called big eye when i'm talking no big eye tuna and then before it gets the yellow fin that's like the bigger ones they kind of like take over like the regular size yeah. your 90 to 120 pounder and then they, that big guy is you're looking at three to four 500 pounds yeah the one that makes you money <laughs> correct Dude, have you seen i mean the shows where they pay like five grand ten grand for for one single for yeah. one single tuna yeah. bro especially they check the quality of the fish the fat and all, all that, that good and stuff yeah so that's just a few of the crazy stories that has happened i have plenty more you know hopefully we could talk about those more as we do more podcasts um, yeah dude, definitely I mean, have some scary stories from spooky nights on the beach you know ghost stories from what yeah don't yeah. tell me that bro yep <laughs> illegals running yep illegals running up well, and down the beach you know yeah weird stuff going on in the beach got stories to tell for days but regardless of that if you ever do want to do a shark fishing trip you could reach me like i said at our facebook project fishing our instagram project fishing as well or you could reach me at my mobile phone number 956-455-7621 and uh, for whatever reason if i don't answer i'm probably on the beach and i don't have signal so leave a text message and on the buck hook website guys if you go over to guide services you'll see that Prodigy Fishing is on there. And so all his information is on there. There's a bunch of his clients' catches. So it'll give you a little taste of what you are going after and what you, you might be catching. So y'all head on over to buckhook.com also and, and check that out. But um, For sure is one of those trips to, to have memories, bro. Because yeah. I was and able to take my family, family out. Family friendly. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I was able to take my, my family out this summer. You know, I have three kids, bro. And... Y'all caught a seven dude, foot? No, I mean, we got lucky enough that Joel, I think you landed a... a it was a shark. It was a bull shark. Yeah, it was a, it was big, a day, like, it was seven, seven foot bull shark, I think, yep. that, that 
you know, everybody, I think your kids got to touch the real yeah, one. They, <laughs> they yeah, was fighting. yeah, yeah. And they, they, took, they took pictures with a shark. And until today, bro, they, they talk about it. And they say, like, man, they say, like, Dad, are we going to go shark fishing? Or what are we doing, you know? And so definitely a trip to build memories with your family. So it's totally worth it. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I do, you know, it's obviously a very memorable thing for the kids. So one thing I do is that I do not charge for the kids. Kids are completely free. Anybody 16 and under is free. Um, Obviously, as long as you book a trip for two people, kids are always going to be free. So that's one thing that I do, obviously, to try to get the kids out there, try to get them involved and create memories, like you're saying. Awesome. So y'all, y'all reach out to Joel Prodigy Fishing and book a trip. You won't be let down. Back to the bay. I mean, we've been giving y'all a little fish report. I went out yesterday, which was Sunday, fishing with Roland and Matt. Before we did any fishing, as we were coming out of the Arroyo, there was a boat being towed in by a towboat. And Matt tells me, man, I'm glad that's not us anymore. (laughs) And so, you know, it's funny because... For a while, on Matt's shallow sport, he was having problems with that Evan route. So until he got that Suzuki, for sure, our day started Maybe off. Maybe Matt, it's a problem. He's a bad luck one, right? <laughs> Maybe he know, is, bro. dude. <laughs> we need to take him to get a barrida, you know. Un huevito cat. Dale gas, bro. So what time was that? We left the dock at about 10.30, 10.45. Okay. We headed south from Arroyo. We were going out to South Cullen. On the way down there, we actually ran into Captain Caveman. So I'm coming out of. Uh, oh, yeah, the I fish saw that video. Yeah, coming out the Captain Quarters and Duncan House. Yeah. I was there uh, all weekend. I was working. Nice. Had a couple people from Dallas come in. So we ran into him, talked to him a little bit. Um, he was actually cleaning a bunch of trout that, that they had caught the, the previous day. Yeah, okay, 20 trouts in the lights, man. All over 15 inches. They're like averaging 18. It was pretty good. But um, we went out to South Cullen and we were trying to go. I mean, we went later in the afternoon to try to get some sight casting in. But nobody looked at the weather and didn't realize that it was going to be super cloudy, some rain. And so the water was really murky, man. We weren't able to, I wasn't able to cut through the water and and see any fish. So we just did a lot of blind casting and we did, um, we've been catching some good trout. You know, we caught a 22 incher, we caught um, a couple 19 inchers, 17 inchers, and then a few redfish. And that one that we did catch was actually at about 21 inches. So we just threw them back. But most of the fish that has been caught or that is being caught is up by the jetties, dude. Up by the jetties up north. But we decided to still go down to, to South Cullen and throw some drifts. Around 2 o'clock, we were deciding whether to go home or to throw another drift. And so we moved a little bit further south. And we started drifting, and it was time to go and tried to get the boat to turn on. And we uh, we were stranded, dude. Didn't turn on. And so our initial reaction was to see what we could do ourselves. And we started messing around with the battery and we started cranking it and you could tell that the battery was just losing power more power more power and just until it didn't crank and so luckily we had seen dj that he was out at the fish house right and so i believe matt called you first right yeah matt called me he said uh y'all had uh engine issues or not engine issues but uh just it wouldn't start yeah it wouldn't start so dj's like you know you got to hit the the starter, you got to do this, you got to do that. And Matt's like, no, 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 but it's just, it just won't start. <laughs> so Matt just wasn't relaying the message correctly. But DJ was out working and um, wh- wh- where were you at at the time? Uh, when Matt called, I was actually back in Jim's Pier. I had brought back the bay boat to pick up the, the, the regulator, the 41 foot. 
And uh, I had to bring back clients. I had like seven people over there. They're not really clients, just, uh, you know, f- friends of the of the owners of the house. So I, had, I was on my way up and, and Matt called and said uh, that, that y'all, the motor wouldn't, wouldn't start. So, you know, I was telling him all these things to do, you know, what's it doing? Is it clicking? Is it not clicking? And he just said, no, no, battery's dead. I was like, all right, you know, that's, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So uh, I brought my clients back and then hauled us up there on the bait boat, the 24 yeah, so, Well, we were waiting. We, uh, we wanted to get back to try to watch the Cowboys game. And so that didn't happen. And as we're waiting there, Matt took a little nap. Roland was just, you know, kind of stressing that his new boat wasn't, wasn't working properly. And I was just kind of chilling, trying to stay away from the sun. And so as we're waiting, we see DJ hauling ass, dude, on the regulator. And you see him going north on the intercoastal, right? And so we're like, oh, there goes DJ. Give it about 40 minutes. DJ's coming back, hauling ass. Oh, there goes DJ. He'll come soon. And so every time we would say, oh, look, there's, there's DJ, Roland would give us a little, you know, wide eye. And he's like, oh, he's coming. Get all excited. <laughs> like, no, dude, not yet. Just give it a little bit more time. And so after he did all that, dropped him off. Sure enough, he pulled up with jumper cables and got started pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It didn't take but like a couple minutes. I was only there a couple minutes. And then uh, we had trouble at first. I don't know why, but we let it charge up a little bit, check the voltage on his boat, and it was at 13.7. So he cranked it up and started right away. Started right away. Yeah. So it's crazy. That big boat's only running one one battery. My little, you know, my little show waters, I run two batteries on there. But because I run a trolling motor, too, that shallow stalker is it just one battery as well? No, no, that shallow stalker has a lot more electronics, so it runs two batteries. Two batteries. Um, well, really, really, it runs. Uh, it you can separate the battery so you can run one, and you can run the other, or you can run both. Oh. Um, but I mean, people like to do just run one battery whenever they got the radio going, just for that safety. You can switch over to the other battery, get your engine started, put it on all, and charge all the batteries. Well, that's the smart thing to do. So we do have a tournament that Roland Willie. Robert and myself are going to be fishing in. So if y'all are out at the Shallow Stalker tournament and you see us, don't be afraid to, you know, stop us, say what's up. I know Scuba will be out there as well, hanging out. DJ will be out there. Devin will be out there. I mean, all the guys will be out there. But just a few of us will be fishing just because most of them are Shallow Sport boys. Well, well no, there's Shallow Sport, Dargold, there's Shallow Stalker. I mean, but um, there's only one Shallow Stalker in our group that, that we drive on, and that's Roland's. But... Other than that, just a reminder, guys, we do have daily dove hunts. $40 gets you in there and gets you in for the afternoon hunt or morning hunt. Let me know. Give us a call. Give any of the Buckcook boys a call. It's a, it's a good time. There's plenty of dove right now. It's a flyway zone. So the dove are flying on all sides of the property. It's 220 acres. So plenty of room for y'all to shoot your shotguns, get some white wings some morning dove and and have a good time all right guys so again joel thanks for coming out man it was uh it was a pleasure having you on i do hope to have you on here a lot more give us more stories of some of the crazy nights out on, on the beach yeah when you hear some of those scary movies scary stories yep definitely got a few of those got a lot of fishing got a lot of fishing stories scary stories um everything related you know as far as being on the beach so Definitely uh, plan to be back and appreciate you guys having me. So appreciate y'all tuning in to episode three of the Butt Cook Podcast. Uh, there is an option there, guys, on Spotify, on iTunes to, to leave a comment on what you want us to talk about, what you would like to hear on the next episode. 
I do see that a lot of people want to see Scuba's uh, or hear about Scuba's cooking. So, Scuba yeah. Will, yeah, Scuba will be working on something for next episode. Yeah. Uh, also, if you guys, I mean, I don't want to have a specific day, but we were talking about earlier. We might have a little fish fry out in the field. So, you, you might catch us out if you want to do go do, shoot some dove over the weekend. I mean, you might see us out there cooking as well. Yeah. So, again, shoot us a, a message through Buck Cook and. Uh, Appreciate y'all tuning in. Later. Later. See ya.